outfit lock. Puts on the step, goes right through, puts on the step again. Oh, go pretty. That was magnificent stuff. Well, I shall not believe it. Marshall gets away, Marshall gets away. Marshall's still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. He beats O'Davis on the outside. Hello and welcome to The Voluntary Tackle, the only Adderall podcast paired live inside the pouch of a kangaroo for a week. I'm your host, Damon Brown. Today on the show, I'll be joined by my two partners in crime, Media Watch Mario and Xander Rosotto. Uh, we'll start with you, Xander. How are you going, mate? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Can't complain, you know, apart from apart from uh, uh, the Panthers ending uh, what was, until recently, the only back-to-back premiership in 30 years. We'll probably just skip that as a talking point altogether, but we'll see how we go. Um, I, I must say, Xander, I, I quite enjoyed you deep dive into the definition of inflation with Ben Ellis on Twitter. Um, you're sort of, you're part John Eels, part Ross Greenwood, part Colin Farrell, um, which is a, it's an interesting amalgam. I wonder what that person would look like. So this, is, this comes from spending spending too much time with uh, with nerds who love economics. Um, but yes, I, I, I just cannot let a, an incorrect definition of inflation go without making a comment. It's just a personal failing. I, I get I enjoy inflation every time I see Parramatta fans crying. I don't know, you know, I reckon that I actually reckon that that's not an inflationary effect. I think that those become more valuable each time we see them. On your socials, Mario, I've noticed um, you too have been indulging in non-rugby league topics. It's good to see you retweeting the talks of war criminal Henry Kissinger over the last uh, 24 hours. Well, that was a very angry quote tweet at supposed hero of the left, Kevin Rudd. Fuck me drunk. I, the, the guy wants... Do you really want to start me on this? Because I might go for a while. <laughs> well, okay, just bear in mind we are a rugby league podcast. Yeah, exactly. So I think I'm just going to hold off on that. Suffice to say, Henry Kissinger should fucking die and anyone who encourages him deserves no less. So again, Mario, just classic sitting on the fence, really. Uh, look, just on Twitter, fellas, um, I don't know how long this functionality has been in, but we uh, ha- have noticed that there's this new Twitter live chat feature, uh, which allows uh, you know a person to basically invite um, anyone who wants to join into a Twitter conversation that you can then record, uh, a bit like a podcast. Um, and I thought, I wonder if the TVT uh, should do something similar. So I thought I might throw it out there to our 19 listeners. Um, you know, if that's something you think you might want to see us do, then just reach out on Twitter and say, yes, I'd like to see that happen. Um, and we can see if we could organise it. But um, it would be highly embarrassing, wouldn't it, lads, if we went ahead with that and it was just the three of us again? I think it'll be embarrassing either way, to be completely honest. <laughs> it's it's so true. If, if it's just the three of us, um, it's not going to be great. But somehow I, I, I suspect um, our, our loyal followers um, – yeah, there'll be some interesting people who join join in. I'm sure that'll that'll really really ensure that the quality is consistent. We'll put it that way. Do you think that there's a chance that uh, you know the two of us being quite emphatic Roosters fans, Xander, that there will be a lot of South fans turning up just to troll us? I think that's almost guaranteed. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and and um, and I suppose um, you know uh, whichever whichever fans would just really hate Manly, so you know every other club, I guess. Uh, we'll also come on just to troll Mario. Uh, guys, we will obviously kick into some rugby league chat very, very shortly. But before we do, I just have one more story to raise because this is actually something quite close to my heart. 
and uh, I got quite emotional actually reading this story over the last 24 hours. I don't know if you've seen it, um, but it was reported in the Washington Post that by 2050, there will be no more Garys. Now, uh, you know, say what you will about climate change and all these other existential threats that, you know, loom over us all. But if I have to live in a Garyless world, I'll be a shattered man. Um, is this, is this guys... a genuine projection of the, the, the trends of names? This is this is a legit story, mate. I'm quite emotional about it uh, because I've I've loved the Garys that are that have been in my life, and I was hoping to meet more Garys. So they're, they're um, basically the they're, they're going to argue, they're arguing that Gary is going to go the way of uh, female names like Beryl, but you just don't meet too many of them anymore. Nobody names their kid Beryl anymore. Is that just the yeah, general kind of thinking? Yeah, I think so. But I, I have a feeling that even Beryl has a chance of coming back, you know, because names can be a bit cyclical like fashion. Um, but I have a feeling that the poor old Garys of the world will be resigned uh, to things that no longer exist, like the Newtown Jets. I would like to assure you that the name Gary is going nowhere because as personally a fan of Dungeons and Dragons, it is a resurgent um, genre of play at the moment. There's, you know, record numbers of people joining in. And one of the creators, is none other than the legendary Gary Gygax. I'm sure there'd be many a D&D nerd, you know, set, you know, coming out with a Gary just in honour of the great man. Could I just say this though, Mario, and this is an important point to make, that the reason there won't be any Garys in the future is because they're very unlikely to procreate as well. And if they're big Dungeons and Dragons fans, I'm assuming that there's a large cohort that are virgins. And I think this is actually part of the problem for poor old Gary's, you know, other than the fact that it's a, a name that no one wants to call their children. I think there's also the fact that Gary's tend to be hapless uh, in love. You would be surprised that um, in the D&D world, uh, a lot of it is girls. The biggest the biggest surge in players has come from the, um, you know, the female appearing people of the world, in, in particular in terms of the influences in the industry. The female appearing, but Sarah like, Sex is what you, <laughs> you're I'm referring trying, I'm to. I'm trying to all that because, you know, I, I never like offending anybody on this program. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you're about at all, Mario. Um, unless, you, of course, you're, you know, Henry Kissinger's kids, uh, then they'd hate your guts. Or Cameron Smith's kids, frankly. I mean, similar category to, to Henry Kissinger for, for Mario. Has anyone seen those two in a room together? Because I'm not convinced they're not the same person. Well, one's aged horribly. If they are the same, he's very good with his makeup. Um, but you know, on on the Dungeons and Dragons thing, you know, there may be a rising number of female players. But are you saying that that game ends up being this sort of sexual cesspit? Essentially, becomes a I don't know a nerdy version of Tinder. Um, yes, because D compared to what it was in the eighties, D and D got a little little boost from Community, and now a large boost from Stranger Things. It's largely these days about role-playing rather than just rolling dice. And so it's a way for, mm. yes, it's a way for the nerds of the world to escape their sad and pathetic lives, but it's also a way for, you know, a, a whole bunch of sexually repressed people to um, live out their fantasies, which, you know, very often can result in them joining those fantasies together, might we say. Okay. So whereabouts should I sign up for this? Uh, I have I have regular online games I could get you into, but I'm sure I could find you many in Sydney if you were actually keen, though I'm sure you're not. Thanks, Mario. But you did have me at sexually repressed and role play. Once you merge those two things together, fuck me.
things can get horny pretty quick. Uh, but look, just to put a bit of a closure there on the Gary conversation, I'll just say this to all the listeners who have Garys in their lives, you know, hug your Garys while you still can. You know, hold them close uh, because pretty soon they're not going to be around. They'll just be restricted to, you know, Gary zoos. Uh, you won't see any Garys in the wild anymore. You'll just see them in enclosures in their natural habitat, which I can only assume if they're Gary, it means, you know, listening to a lot of Simply Red and wearing weird cardigans and talking about anecdotes that don't go anywhere. Anyway, we and won't frankly being chest champions as well. I mean, you know, we're forgetting about Gary Kasparov. And there are some, there are well, some very yeah. notable Garys. Yeah, very notable Garys. Sorry, Dr. Murray. Anal beads to cheat these days. You know, if you're talking about the chess world, I think you've got to, you know, they're obviously sexually oppressed given the, the type of ways they've decided to come up with cheating in that, in, in that particular sport, do you call it? I don't know, hobby. Apparently it is a sport, although I always sort of refute the suggestion that any time or anything that you can sort of just sit down in air conditioning and declare it a sport doesn't feel right to me. I mean, eSports, but even then, yeah, I agree with you. It's like calling synchronised swimming a sport. I enjoy going in the water, but just that's not a sport. Yeah, they're games. I mean, they can still be entertaining, but poker, chess, 10-pin bowling, they're not sports. They're just interesting hobbies and games. But look, again... Rugby League podcast, fellas, so we better just do a quick digression back into that world, world very quickly because breaking news has finally made a decision on his future. And uh, where's the Wayne Bennett violin? Oh, I haven't brought it with me. doesn't matter. Uh, he's missed his man, guys. Wayne Bennett been chasing Cameron Munster for some time. They've thrown a hell of a lot of money at him. I think they're offering him something like $5.6 for four years. He said, thanks, thanks for shipping all that cash up to my door. Uh, but I don't like your weird sort of strawberries and cream fucking jersey design. I'm staying with the storm. He's taken a $1.6 million pay cut to stay down there. Um, that'll probably see out his career, I'd imagine, if it's a four or five-year deal at his age. I think he's in his late 20s. How do we see this one? Is this a good or bad move from Cameron? We'll start with you, Xander. Well, I mean, in terms of him playing in a successful club and system, it's probably a good decision for him because it's going to take a while for that new side to get going, to build their systems, uh, cohesion, all those things. I mean, he's, you know, if he were to go to, um, if he were to go to uh, the Dolphins, he'd be in for a few lean years without a doubt. Um, that said, I mean, you know, he's in the back end of his career. He's already achieved quite a bit. You know, I, I'm surprised he's not thinking about. Um, uh, you know, his future plans in retirement, to be honest, and just getting as much cash as he can rake in in the final few years of his career. But, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes, I mean, you know, the storm have allegedly got all kinds of ways of compensating you uh, or having the the past. So maybe maybe there's just more for him there. Well, Mario, it seems as though Xander's already throwing some uh, potential salary cap uh, shade at the Melbourne storm to get this one over the line. I uh, noticed Fox Sports have put it down to the brilliant acumen of Matt Tripp and Brayton Astor, which just has to be lies. Uh, Mario, how do you see this story? Is this a good move for Cameron, you think? I mean, there's no way Brayton Astor's happy about this development. He wanted that sweet, sweet money. Um, <laughs> if I'm Munster, I'm taking the cash. As you say, the guy's won his grand finals. He's he's represented his state and country. Who gives a shit about, like, oh, man, take the money, man. That's a lot of money. Now, that being said, would you rather play with Jermaine Asako at the back or would you rather play with Ryan Pappenhausen at the back? It, it, it is a no-brainer if you enjoy success. So 100% staying at Storm. You do have to wonder, though, long-term, now that he's on 
finally on a deal that represents his actual value, Harry Grant can't be long from an far from an upgrade. And if Pappenhausen actually has a decent year of not getting injured, it's going to be very tricky, even for the Storm, to keep those particular four players together without running on absolute bare bones everywhere else in the in the team. Yeah, I, I love your comparison there, by the way, mate, between those two fullbacks. It reminds me, it's so stark if someone said to you, who would you rather sleep with, Margot Robbie or Estelle Getty? Like, it, it, it's, it's extremely different, isn't it? And as you said, down there in Melbourne, you are sort of guaranteed that system. You are guaranteed to be playing around, even though, you know, we have to say there's a, there's a bit of an exodus happening at the moment in Melbourne, but the system does have a habit of replenishing itself to some degree, even if they may not be premiership contenders in the next couple of years they're always going to be competitive. And that's one thing that I guess is guaranteed by staying down there. And obviously Cameron Munster is a huge part of that. But I guess on the flip side of the coin, I was wondering what you guys thought about, you know, this idea of being part of sort of rugby league history. Um, you know, the, the very first time that a, uh, you get to run around, run out in the Dolphins jersey. To me, they're not assembling a terrible squad. I know they, have, they haven't got all of their targets, but they've sort of gone for, um, you know, a pretty solid rugged pack but they just need some more game breakers. And I guess, you know, Cameron Munster was probably key to that plan. But, you know, he's a Queenslander. To be running out in a new Queensland franchise, I thought would have been pretty tempting. Well, I think it just goes to show, you know, the old adage we've always known, you know, Queenslanders just aren't that proud of their state. Not very loyal to it, obviously. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that generally surprised me, genuinely surprised me, because uh, I would have thought that would have been a appealing as well. But uh, And being being coached by, by Wayne as well, you know, talking of Queensland royalty and Queensland legacy stuff. Um, but but obviously, um, bellyache and and, uh, and that purple jersey, just a lot more appealing than, as you said, um, strawberry and cream. Are you, you really know what sure I, that Queensland team, though? I mean, maybe half the problem was he's worried that he might have ended up in Perth or somewhere because last I checked, the isn't a suburb of Brisbane or anywhere in Queensland at all. So... Why would he want to go from this nice, stable position he's got to being homeless, a well-paid homeless person? Mind you, a few clubs have done that. If you look at the uh, the Penrith Panthers, it's just Panthers now. They don't actually have Penrith. Now. This is a, a naming convention that a lot of professional uh, clubs have done across a number of sports. I think it's garbage, personally. Um, but uh, it's there's a whole sort of you know business management uh, thinking about it. You don't want it to be tied to a location. Again, Really stupid, but pretty widespread. Guys, what do we feel about the jersey design? That's only been unveiled in the last couple of days. I thought it was quite touching that they went for the exact colour of Pauline Hanson's hair in honour of the great lady and the great bigot of Queensland. Um, but it has, you know, polarised a lot of people. There's a lot of people that go, just I'm not, I'm not down for that. It's a bit jarring. It's a bit, it's a bit too red. Um, what did you guys think of the design? I just want to take a moment to pull Xander up. I'm not sure where he's got this Panthers thing from because their official website is penrithpanthers.com.au. If you look it up on Wiki, it's Penrith Panthers, the Penrith Panthers. It's look at their Penrith. logo, though. They they made, a, they made a conscious decision to remove Penrith from it. It's just got Panthers. It's, a, it's an evolution of the logo, and they removed Penrith from it. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I'll, I'll accept that, but they're still calling themselves the Penrith Panthers, whereas... The, the Dolphins are not Redcliffe. They're just the Dolphins in every conceivable way, which in my yeah, opinion... Yeah, fair enough. Weird. Yeah. But sorry, what was your question, Eamon? Do you like the jersey? No, that's right. I was, yeah, <laughs> oh. I was just talking about the jersey design. Yeah, I don't eat Chubba Chups anymore, so no, I'm not really interested in their jersey. It does look like a yeah, Chubba Chup, actually, now that you mentioned it. 
It looks a bit chubby chops. Yeah, you're right. I, I actually don't mind it. I mean, as far as jerseys go, there are there are definitely worse ones. I mean, this is certainly better than uh, say green and red. Um, but um, it's uh, yeah, it does look a little bit a little bit like the the head of a chubby chops lollipop. But I actually don't mind the colours. Um, you know, it's a very as you said, it's a very stark red. But worse this season. But they were you know one off jerseys that we can thankfully never look at again. This is their primary jersey, apparently, which uh, it's a bit bit jarring on the eyes, in my opinion. It's just that, that yeah, I just think they've got the colour scheme and the pattern. Everything about it just looks wrong. I don't know how do you do it better because I'm, I'm not a jersey designer, but I guarantee you there'd mm. be 20 people on Twitter right now who could who have the, you know, the graphic ability just to throw a jersey together in those colours and make it infinitely better. I've got to tell you, it's. I mean, when you think of dolphins, you're thinking of the sort of more marine colours, you know, the cooler colours, the kind of aquas and your blues. The only thing I can think of is that, you know, Redcliffe have gone for the dolphin tropical thing sort of merged into Norway, as in, you know, motif of harpooning them from a whaling vessel or something. That's the only, maybe that's the logic where they're trying to capture that sort of, I don't know, niche Norwegian rugby league fan. Uh, but who am dolphin? I to question their marketing tactics? Oh, is that what a dolphin looks like? But when you throw it off a red cliff? Quite possibly, mate, because I don't think they bounce. So I have a feeling they would probably perish and bleed. I mean, I guess the problem is that, you know, if they've got the dolphins, I mean, the sharks have kind of already got the, the blue, grey and, you know, black uh, colour scheme cornered and just the general ocean, um, you know, light blues and uh, yellows has basically been taken already by the Gold Coast Titans. Um, so I, I guess they just had to stick roughly with the colour scheme they had in their... Um, what, their Queensland Cup days? Controversial question. Which current NRL club, in your view, guys, has the worst jersey design? Look, for me, I actually think their original, they've changed their jersey a lot more recently, but um, even their original, I always thought, wasn't the best. But since they've gone down the weird high-vis mode, um, it's even worse now, and that's the Newcastle Knights. For me, I think they've got the worst jersey. That was going to be my answer too, but mainly... I don't hate the Knights jersey in and of itself, but with that the horrible um, addition of the NIB logo and the, their utter refusal to integrate it into the colour scheme just <laughs> makes it so horrible. It just makes me think if I was looking for a new health insurer, they'd be the last one I'd go for just because uh, that colour annoys me so much. I always assume that that weird high-vis that they go for, that orange colour, is some kind of homage to the steelworks town and all the industrial uh, precinct. So I could be just making that up, but it's so lollipop, man, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's, that is meant to be a a, a, a nod to the local uh, workers and that, as, as far as I understand it as well. Um, I was going to say this is, I was look, just having a look at the 2022 ones again so I could remember what everyone looked like. It's been so long since the end of the season. Um, I actually really dislike the Tigers home jersey. Um, yeah, so just having to refresh my memory if it was still the same one. Um, just uh, so that's the one with the lots of orange. Is that that? No, no, it's the, the, the one that's more orange, doesn't it? No, it's the uh, the the one that's basically black with a white V and a touch of orange. Um, yeah, oh, it just doesn't okay. do it for me. It kind of it kind of is the worst of both worlds for me. Um, it doesn't look like they're really they're really properly representing either identity properly, in my view. Yeah, because they tend to change it up a lot, don't they? The Tigers. Yeah, I feel the like Tigers have had some three... really rank ones over the years. Because sometimes I run out with virtual magpies colours, which I don't mind because it's, you know, a nod to one part of the merger. And then they'll, I don't know if they ever go the full Balmain Tigers, but most of the time they are trying to find some 
some hedge in between. And as you say, it, it's sort of it's hard to kind of latch on to some consistency when it comes to their colours. They always look a little bit different each time. But um, which club was it that ran out this year and they just were in, they're not in their colours at all? I'm trying to think who that was. It was Manly in the black. That's right. What the fuck was doing with that? I mean, I liked the jersey in and of itself if it was representing a car, a club that those colours had some relevance to or that colour or lack of colour. I mean, I thought in by itself it wasn't a horrible jersey, but as a Manly jersey, what was it? It was just terrible and nobody actually liked it. It was so wrong. Did they just do it as a piss take? They go, I wonder if we'll just we'll run out there as the All Blacks and see if anyone notices. <laughs> thing is, it still wasn't our worst jersey of the year. The worst one I'd blocked from my memory until, thanks, Tim McIntyre, for reminding me yesterday, <laughs> was a perfectly nice manly jersey for the top half. Then there's just disgusting blue at the bottom. But what the hell? It was horrible. I've got to say, though, they weren't your worst short pairing. I love the ones where it was actually the face of a man sucking a fake cock, um, just in <laughs> retaliation for that cohort of players that you know refused to acknowledge gay people. I thought that was a great comeback from the club, personally. I thought that was a Batuta Advocate jersey. <laughs> Quite possibly. I don't know. Did they do that? Am I stealing their stuff now? Probably, yeah. Uh, they, did, they, did do it. they did do a pretend manly jersey, though. Like that, a, a, a few people had them arriving in the post this week. I'm sure they'll never right. actually wear it. Just really briefly, another one that was really bad was the Canberra Raiders away jersey, which was just, yeah. Um, don't know if you guys saw sort of dark blue on the top. Um, sorry. Yes. And, uh, yeah. The green Just was all wrong. over the shop. Yeah, the green wasn't quite right, and that dark blue almost looked black. They just didn't work together at all. That was that was quite horrible. I have a other story I need to share from the weekend just gone. Um Go in regard, relating to Manly jerseys. So on Saturday night, I'm heading in to the Oxford Art Factory to watch a, a singer called Peach PRC. Now, I knew nothing about the Oxford Art Factory. My brain didn't register the fact that, you know, Oxford Art Factory is pretty obviously going to be, you know, in the middle of LGBT, LGBT Central. Didn't even think about it. Just whatever. Cool. I like the singer. I'm going to go see her. It's going to be fun. You get, We get in there. As I'm waiting, I'm sort of Googling her, find out that she's a bit of a gay icon. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, that's all awesome. No worries. And then I get into the venue and there's, you know, it's all... Um, girls of you know of various areas of the spectrum, but it's almost entirely girls. And I I bet my bottom dollar that a large percentage of them were gay or some other representation in there. And there's me rocking up to this very LGBT friendly gig in a manly jersey and a manly hat. And I didn't think <laughs> it just meant nothing to me. I just didn't think I'm just there to enjoy the show until I start getting yeah. dirty. And my mate who's with me is noticing too. And then this girl walks up to me and it says, Manly, what the fuck? Fuck you and fuck Manly. And she was really aggressive and walked off. I'm like, oh, she must be a Parramatta fan. And he goes, dude, where are we? And I go, I. So, I mean, you know, if you wore the Pride Round jersey, you'd have completely avoided that situation. Yes, I suspect that's the case, but they sold out so quickly, I didn't get a chance to get my hands on it. Do you know what would have really helped you out, Mario, is if you walked in there and any time anyone gave you a filthy look or came up to, you know, shout in your face, you just had Des Hasler by your side to explain the situation? <laughs> what could possibly I think that would have done you a great service. Yeah, except he's busy threatening us through the club at the moment, allegedly. Don't worry, mate. We're going to get to Manly's woes. But, um, look, before, before you started talking about your potential 
cis white man rape um, in Oxford Street. We're about to talk to uh, talk about rather the grand final just gone because the last time we were here, uh, it was in the lead up to grand final week, and we were talking about our predictions. Uh, sadly, my prediction didn't come true. Um, my heart was wrong and my head was right. I hate that. Uh, my dick was all over the shop that night. Um, you know, it was a one, it was one way traffic. Let's be honest. And there's lots of other places that have already, you know, done the analysis of the game. Uh, but I thought I'd start off with the fallout over the reaction of the victory. And obviously, this has been the uh, the criticism of the Panthers being arrogant. Um, and you know, it's continued today. There's a lot of back and forth between Penrith and, and Para players. It's, I'm finding the theatre of it all quite entertaining, to be completely honest with you. Uh, but I just wanted to get your impressions, fellas. Are the Panthers arrogant? And even if they are, is there anything wrong with that? Um, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, I, I actually have no problem with it whatsoever because it's not my side, and I don't, we don't have quite the same level of hate for the Panthers at the Roosters. I'm, I'm quite, um, I'm quite enjoying, as you said, the drama of it, and just the fact that it's cre- it's it's furthering this this. Um, uh, I, I guess animosity between Para and the Panthers, and I actually reckon it's just really good for the game, and I'm quite enjoying the drama. I also think that if you've won back to back premierships and you've dominated the competition as comprehensively as uh, the Panthers, you probably have a right to being a little bit cocky about it, and it's up to everyone else to knock them off their pedestal. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of a challenge for the rest of the teams to get out there and, and do that at this point. So you may remember before the last game, I said that I was, um, all about Parramatta winning in the men's, not in the women's, but in the men's, I really want a Parramatta to win, fuck the Panthers, et cetera, et cetera. Well, grand final day came, the inevitable happened. We all knew what was going to happen in that game and it did, but I still was always hoping Parramatta would find a way. In the fallout from the game with all the all the pearl clutching from Paul Kent and these other absolute morons, I find myself feeling like Penrith are now my second team because I am all about the arrogance. I wish my team were in a position to be arrogant instead of a complete basket case like they kind of are at the moment. Good on Penrith. They've made three grand finals in a row. They've won two in a row. They might be one of the best teams of all time in terms of their record. Like they've In the last three seasons, they've lost, I think, fewer games than the Roosters lost in 2018. Uh, you, you, I'm pretty sure you guys lost 11 games that year and Penrith have lost a total of eight. So that is an absolutely all-time team, whether we like it or not. And so they have earned the right to be arrogant. Parramatta, if they're going to be whiny little bitches who don't like who don't like it and can't take it, and if Ryan Madison's out there just fucking the club over, in what universe should we feel sorry for Parramatta? Go Penrith, give it to them, keep it going. I think that's the issue, isn't it, fellas, is that the thing about arrogance for me is that I actually think it's a wonderful thing so long as it's earned. And I think, you know, when Penrith in that first year in 2020, when they sort of came from the clouds, I don't think anyone was really predicting to even make the eight that year and they made the grand final, lost. But they, at the end of that season, I distinctly remember the, the squad being quite quite arrogant and over-exuberant with their commentary and, uh, and a lot of their post-try celebrations, you know, getting the other players and throwing them into their huddle, this kind of thing. And I thought, that's fine. I find that quite funny. But you should really only, I feel like it needs to be earned. Like you don't have the right to be that arrogant yet. They've just gone back to back. They have every right now to be that arrogant team. And it's great for the game. You know, you you need teams to have different personalities, I think. You know, you need teams that, you know, can show this sort of brash, young exuberance that the, the Panthers have, quite frankly. They're a young squad. They've been winning 
like since they've been in diapers, most of them together in a lot of ways, uh, at least the nucleus of that team, uh, and they've earned the right now to be arrogant. And I think it's great. Now it's now it's up to the rest of the comp to knock them off the perch. And I think it spices things up a bit. I look at next season, just at, sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but and try and work out who's going to trouble the Panthers because they're dropping a little bit. And in theory, other teams are coming up, but I can't see where the other teams really are on the way up, except maybe Roosters and Souths. I don't see a lot of improvement from the contenders. The Raiders might be okay. It's sort of hard to say. It depends. There's, there's a lot of you know varying factors, obviously, but maybe those are the three teams that I see as the, the biggest threat to the Panthers next year. But So yeah. you know, they, they can look towards next year and think, even without Appy, we still might bloody win and we're going to give ourselves every chance. They're going to have that confidence. And, you know, if they can do it three in a row, who the hell did that last? It's been a long, long time. Mm. Yeah, Parramatta, I believe, in the 80s. And look, uh, and they're also going to be missing kick-out next year. They've, they've got, you know, as you said, some some guns leaving the club. But um, given the fact that they've won everything across the board this year, you'd imagine that they're going to have uh, no problem in replenishing their stocks um, next really? year. So they're... they're yeah, you knock those two players out. Oh no, they might w- lose seven games next year instead of only three. That still puts them right up the top as favourites. You know, if you're only taking three or four games off them, they're still going to be up there in the top one, two, or three teams. So there's still every chance of a grand final next year, and I don't see them dropping further than that. Yeah, I um I noticed I quite like the way Ivan Cleary handled the allegations of arrogance. He came out today and said and declared, we're not arrogant. It's just that lowly dumb cunts like the general public just wouldn't understand. I thought that was an interesting way to combat it, Xander. Yeah, no, I thought it was very classy as well. Um, actually, it was interesting, uh, genuinely, how much credit um, Ivan Cleary gave to, to Gus Gould as well, given the um, the fallout initially between those two. But, um, you know, I saw you comment on Twitter the other day that uh, Gus likes to take a lot of credit um for what's happened at the Panthers. So it was interesting to see somebody else actually go out of their way, specifically the coach and give him a fair bit of credit as well. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? So I think Ivan, if anyone has missed it at uh, listening, um, Ivan gave Gus Gould a fair bit of credit for the way that he coaches. He still he claims that he's, you know, what he's learned from Gus, he still incorporates a lion's share of um, that into the way he coaches in the present day. And I guess that would, um, I guess, only come from a man that's won back-to-back to let go of the, um, I would have thought, the the grudge that he would have borne against Gus, seeing as Gus got him fired and <laughs> and, uh, and didn't want him to come back to the club. Now, Madison, obviously, very, very angry uh, about copying, uh, being charged for a crusher. And Jerome Luai's, uh constant crying emojis. And I think today he... He uh, responded via an R&B song with Cry in the title. How do we feel about that? I'm assuming that the room's not very pro-Madison at the moment, seeing as that he's decided to take a three-match ban over losing 3K or something. What an absolute turd Brian Madison is. Absolute turd. I had someone, I had a para fan today actually jumping to defend him, which really threw me for... Threw me for six. I did not expect that. I mean, I, I respect this guy's opinion a lot. Suffice to say, in this case, I don't agree with it. Ryan Madison is a terrible, terrible human being. And in my opinion, yes, he saved himself three grand, but I can't imagine any circumstance in which that does not devalue him to a potential new club by more than three grand. People are going to cop suspensions. If he's going to choose a suspension over a fine, 
that could cost the club a season. He's purely about the dollar-dollar bills for himself. He does not care about anybody else. He's proven that in the past, but this is about the most blatant example I think I could ever remember seeing from a rugby league player. And, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I don't like Luai. I think he's an absolute turd. But he did nothing wrong on the field the other day, nothing whatsoever. The player that he allegedly kicked had already come out and said that he was not kicked by Luai. The video evidence has now backed that up, that Luai did not connect with him at all. Madison is just an idiot trying to deflect from his own selfish patheticness. Um, look, I, yeah. I don't know if I'd call it respectfully disagreeing, but probably a, a slightly less strident tone on this one, I would take. Uh, I would say, first of all, yeah, Luai absolutely is no Cameron Munster when it comes to kicking people while they're down. It was That was a massive a massive storm in a teacup. Um, but I, Madison uh, and, and Luai... Like he's definitely he's definitely um uh you know getting stuck in over it and I I just think that it'll make for really interesting theatre the next time um those two are on the pitch don't know if I would I would go so far as to call uh, Ryan Madison a terrible human being um I don't know what he's like off the field but <laughs> I would I would uh, wonder uh, I suppose about the the decision to take the um. Uh, the games over the fine. I mean, you know, a, does he just have really big gambling debts? Uh, and B, is he able to take them in the trials? And if so, then maybe it's just not such a big deal. He misses the trials and he gets to extend his holiday. Yeah, no, apparently I looked into that today. The trials don't count. So it will be three ah. NRL first grade matches. I, I, I guess the, my, my instant reaction was what would his teammates think of that? Uh, because that's not exactly this. Uh, you know, all in together attitude that a lot of team units are trying to foster and cultivate all the time. You know, someone's, especially when you consider the low amount of money it was and how much these guys earn, um, he sort of has painted himself as someone that you wouldn't want, you know, fighting next to you in the trenches, hasn't he? If I'm his coach, I'm drop, I'm dropping him for that. Like, I, I, I get that you wouldn't normally drop him if he's your best number 13, but if you're already going to have to start the season without him for three games. Let's say someone else jumps in and they perform really well. I'm saying to Madison, well, you showed us what you think about the team. So you're going to have to earn our respect back in reserve grade, assuming you've got someone doing well. If you're if you've lost your first three games against, you know, against the Dolphins, the Titans and the Tigers, then maybe yeah, you need to rush him back. But if that's not the case, as far as I'm concerned, make the guy make the guy work for it. Cost him an origin jersey by not playing the first four or five weeks. I tell you what, he loses a lot more than three or four grand then, doesn't he? Absolutely. He's not really thinking about the long term there. I noticed Aaron Woods came out today and said, called him the tightest human alive. He said if it was happened at the Dragons, they wouldn't allow him back in the dressing room. <laughs> and I remember thinking, at the Dragons, I don't think you can get in the dressing room without a Proud Boys membership badge anyway under hook. Because I know, Xander, you've got to jet off in about 10. So we'll just run through. A couple of other stories percolating. There's actually a lot going on in the wonderful world of rugby league, considering it's the off-season. Um, look, we wanted to talk about Manly. Sorry, Mario, we couldn't avoid it. Uh, there's a fair bit of chatter, mate, that Des Hasler is on the way out. And that guy who had a really bumper season with the Broncos could be the guy on the way in. I speak, of course, of Anthony Seabold. Another name being tossed around is Josh Hannay. As a died-in-the-wall Manly fan, we have to go to you first. How did you see this story? Is it all... Hot air, or is Des really on the way out? Des may well be on the way out, but Seabold has friends in the media. That's been made clear many times in the past, and that they are out to try and bump him up to get him a job somewhere. It's nothing more than that. 
There's a lot of connections to Manly, supposedly. But in that article, all the supposed positives they put forward were very clear spins on absolute negatives. The guy's got it. Yes, he's been at two clubs, but that's because he he walked out on, on his contract from one club and then he got fired from the other club for being so very shit. His experience at Manly was being um, the co- the assistant coach under Trent Barrett, who was fucking shit and got fired. There's, there's just no way Manly are going back to that well. The guy sucks. Everyone knows he sucks. This is just an agent and the media, you know, attain media just doing what they were told to do. I mean, Murray, a counterpoint. He went to Harvard. <laughs> yeah, well, anyone... On a, on a, on a two-week uh, study tour, I believe, not actually for a degree, but he did go there. I'm sure I could pay for a correspondence course from Harvard too, but I'm not really interested in that. <laughs> and, and I guess the question always has to remain, what did he study there? Because I'm hoping it's a psychology degree in grief, because it's certainly coming in handy for him over the last couple of years. Wasn't he actually in the? Um, you said he's looking for a job. Last I heard, he was on the coaching team of Eddie Jones at England Rugby. I think you are right. I believe there is a connection with Eddie Jones there, but of course, Eddie Jones often linked as a potential rugby league coach. So maybe that's another tick in Seabold's corner. He's learning under the great Eddie Jones. Well, Mario, for the listeners who might not be aware of the ins and outs of the Manly Club, why is Hasler uh, on the nose? There is it just sheer on-field results? Or is this a the board wants him out sort of situation, but the players want him there? There's rumours of a rift between him and the Fulton family. And Des has sort of been the fall guy for this whole Pride jersey saga. And that's been there, allegedly, been the Fulton's impetus towards then going after him to try and get rid of him because... Manly is just this constant power struggle, which never seems to go away. And we thought we'd gotten rid of it when the Quantum Group had had left the club, but apparently not. Apparently, we're still now. It's now it's the Fulton family versus Hasler. So, who bloody knows? It, I, there's so many media stories, and everyone has their agenda, or, or they're just putting it out based on what one faction tells them. We have no way of knowing what the hell the actual truth is. As a fan, what would you like to see happen? Say you had the ultimate power over at Manly, you could choose the coach for 2023. Who's your preference and why? Um, at this stage, I'd probably say my goal, I think I said, was that we'd have Des stay 2023, but have an actual good quality successor under him ready to go for 2024. I don't know whether or not Hannay is that guy, but I know Seabold is not that guy. What's your reaction going to be, Mario, if they end up appointing Seabold? I'm a, I know it's not going to be a good one, but uh, the moment you're you're reading that news, what does Mario do in that situation? Turn my phone off and go for a run and listen to a non-rugby league podcast to try not to think about it for a while and give myself time to calm the fuck down. but. That's if I could resist ranting on Discord and Twitter first, which I probably would do that and then stop. <laughs> of course you would. I don't know. Yeah, of course you would. Holy crap. I, in fact, I'd probably just pull out a microphone, record a rant and send it to you and say, upload this. <laughs> <laughs> Was Andrew, obviously, uh, you know, Mario's admitting the fact that, of course, he would probably start up some kind of WhatsApp rumour about his family and as, as revenge. Um, 
Xander, how did you see this one? Obviously, as a non-Manly fan, um, and I don't think a great fan of Anthony Seabold's recent work, is there a space for Seabold in the NRL anywhere? Can he rehabilitate his career, and should it be at Manly? Yeah, I honestly don't know at this point. I mean, yeah, he's he's not exactly been um, a, a raging success everywhere he's gone. He at the Broncos, he just melted down so badly at the end. Uh, it was it was actually kind of sad. Um, I reckon if he's to come back, he probably needs to come back in as assistant coach again. Um, you know, I think it's probably the the better kind of role for him. Uh, in all honesty, having having seen the way he's reacted with you know with that top job pressure. I mean, going to the Broncos where you realistically, you know, they they ought to have you really well set up for success. I mean, they've they've got a whole lot of problems with their personnel, and that's well documented around their talent attraction and and all the rest of it. But you know, one club town until next year. Um, you know, have all the sponsorships, have advanced facilities, all these sorts of things. I mean, really, you would think that that that's the perfect environment for you to start your head coaching career. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's a tough one. I I probably, for Manly's sake, hope he doesn't end up there. And if he does go anywhere, it's probably got to be an assistant that's already really mature. Most coaches earn second chances, and obviously, you know, success. You can't have success wherever you go. I think Ivan Cleary is a pretty good example of that, where he was borderline going for the record of being the longest NRL coach without winning a premiership there for a bit. Um, and that's full, obviously, well and truly in the re- rear vision mirror. But I just think, you know, it was the it was the way the wheels came off with Anthony Seabold and, and everything around it. And it was so spectacular and it was so emphatic. Like they were they had gone from he a didn't competitive cope, team. Did he? No. He didn't he didn't cope and neither did his team. And I don't think I've ever seen a team fall from grace quite as sharply as that Brisbane Broncos team did. And I just think the reputational damage that is sustained in that, for me, would prevent him me from ever hiring him if I was a club in a head coach role. As you said, Xander, maybe I would examine the possibility of putting him in some kind of other role, but probably not, given just how, how poor that was. The fact that he also made enemies at Souths, he left a bit of a trail of destruction there. He was um, quite pugilistic with people who were um, that he kind of left in their wake to get that professional advancement. So there was there was baggage even before he got to Brisbane. And then when it all went so horribly wrong, it was clear that you know he had personal personality conflicts left, right, and centre. Uh, to me, I just think maybe this is not the vocation for him. I mean, to me, it feels like Brisbane were a club with different sides and factions warring with each other, and Seabold was ill-equipped to handle that sort of a scenario, having come from South where everything was smooth and hunky-dory, basically. So that means he's definitely not the coach for Manly since whatever Brisbane have in terms of sides and factions ain't got nothing on Manly. <laughs> yeah. And as you said, even if there was a scandal at South, they're great at covering it up. My gosh, they're A-grade. Um, so well played to South Sydney on that front. Look, we're going to finish the podcast uh, with some other big news, and that is the future of Ben Hunt. He has re-signed with the Dragons after a, a fair bit of speculation that he might depart. He wasn't offered enough money. Um, but the domino effect uh, down with the Dragons is the fact that two young guns as a result now want out of the club. That's Sloan and Jaden Sullivan. Now, I've watched part of my prediction at the beginning of the year, although I can cue the audible laughter now when I had them uh, well entrenched in my top eight, um, was the fact that I was banking on the fact that these young guns were going to get a run and um, most of the time they didn't. I don't think Sloan, I think Sloan got a handful of games um, and he didn't put their 5-8 in until sort of the back end of the season. They've got 
quite a few young young guys coming through. But I don't know as much about Jaden Sullivan, but from all accounts, he's a young, he's an absolute gun halfback. I don't know if you guys have seen any of his action in the lower grades. I just wanted to get your thoughts on this one, guys. Is this a good decision from the Dragons to re-sign, go with the seniority and re-sign Ben Hunt towards the end of his career and risk losing these potential goldmine juniors? You've got to win now, not win in five years' time. Ben Hunt is one of the best is one of the best three or four halfbacks in the whole competition. Sullivan and Sloan are two young guys who've done sweet fuck all and may or may not do better than that, as if you're not t- keeping Ben Hunt. Madness to suggest otherwise, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, do you think there's any um, you know, merit to the fact that these young guys haven't really been shown the ability to do more than sweet fuck all? I guess if you're not playing first grade, it's hard for you to impress. It is, but who says that Hook's going to give them that opportunity anyway? I mean, he's a shit coach as far as I'm concerned, and he's shown in the past that he won't give young guys a chance. The fact that Ben Hunt is staying with him, given that Hook was the guy that kept Ben Hunt on the bench at Brisbane, is a bit strange. But yeah, I don't, I don't know why. But I guess Ben Hunt's career has improved this year under Griffin, so maybe that's why. Maybe something about his, you know right-wing Nazi-style coaching is is appeals to Ben Hunt. Maybe Ben Hunt will be the next One Nation representative upon his retirement. Do you think there's some merit in that, Xander, that Ben Hunt, the reason he's playing so well is that he is a closet Nazi? Uh, I, I don't want to make any statement on that alleged or otherwise, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely shouldered arms there. Guys, we probably should wrap it up because Xander's got to run. Um, he's off to what was it again, mate? You're off to one of those um, million dollar club meetings, aren't you? Tuvalu, that's right. Yeah, fact finding mission. All right, guys. Well, that was fun. Uh, thank you very much, everyone who listened at home. Just a reminder again, we are pondering the idea of doing one of these online Twitter forums where we can actually take questions from you live and you can contribute. Um, let us know if that sounds like that's something that's of interest. If it's not, please tweet us that as well. Say, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs>